0: As you heard last week, we had 96 people show up for our first uh, meeting of the new year of Alpha. Last year, we had 300 people that participated in that. Our goal, ultimately, is everyone in the church will go through it, because uh, we want you to understand what we believe to be one of the tools that God is going to use to reach out to the unsaved, to the those who do not know Jesus, in, in ways that we have never done before. So we are very excited about Alpha and what God is stirring in this church because of that. Well, you have a great privilege this morning of listening to the guy who is in charge of all of Alpha in the U.S. The Alpha director for USA is Craig Springer, and Craig's with us today. He is um, uh, he is a, a wonderful brother. We're becoming really quite fond of each other. You'll even see when he comes up that we actually dress alike. Um, and um, Craig was a, a lead pastor at one of the Willow Creek campuses at one time. He was a pastor at one of our largest uh, Churches in our own denomination, Cherry Hills Church down in Denver. And then a couple of years ago, uh, took this new call to be the executive director of Alpha US. Um, he preached for us a few, uh, a little over a year ago. And when we heard we had a chance to get him back, we said, we got to get this guy. You're going to be blessed by his ministry. And will you do what you do so well, my sweetheart church? Will you welcome him up to the pulpit this morning? I appreciate you. See what it means? You look good. It's, it's, it's just too precious, don't you think? It's just <laughs> too, too, too lovely. Listen, um, what, uh, what he does up here, what we do, we can't do without the, the power of the Spirit. Would you extend your hands out towards Craig and we're going to pray. Lord, we just pray your Holy Spirit will come and do the work that only you can do. Bring your word in power and in might. Change hearts. Draw people to yourself. Instill us with the things that you long to instill us with. We pray it through Christ our Lord.
1: Amen. Welcome, brother. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here with you, Pastor Mark and Pastor Ellis and you friends. Um, I don't know if you looked back at 2018 when you rounded into the new year, into 2019. I did, and I concluded that 2018 was a very strange year. I mean, you, you think about all the, you know, mind-spinning, maddening happenings in our pinnacle realities, and just think, this is a roller coaster. And I don't know about you, my life felt like a roller coaster in 2018, and then rounding into 2019, I'm just thinking, gosh what do I long for more of? And I I felt like the Lord was inviting me to ask and reflect on that question. Craig, what do you long for in 2019? And I sat with that and I thought, well, more money, Lord. Absolutely. And more peace, you know, less challenging circumstances, et cetera. But really I landed on this desire to have more joy. Raise your hand if you want more joy in 2019. Yes, everybody. We want more joy because joy is so elusive. Maybe you can relate. I, ex- I I picture my journey towards joy similar to me trying to plan a little evening stroll with my wife. It, it starts out great. We're planning to have this connecting, heart-filling time with one another. Maybe the sunset will will fade off into the distance and, and we're chatting. And then one of us introduces a challenging parenting issue into the conversation. It's like, oh, a little bit of joy just left that conversation. We don't know how to resolve this. And then... Another one of the challenging financial issues comes up. I'm like, "How are we going to pay that bill at that time?" I don't know. And you can feel the blood start to rising and the joy start dissipating away. And then, inevitably, I will not intentionally make a snide comment or some sideways thing. I don't want to, but it happens. And now we've got tension in this conversation. It was supposed to be a joy-filled sunset stroll, and now we're walking around the block. And the neighbor is out in the yard, and we're frustrated. And I stop and I say, hi neighbor, how are you doing? What a beautiful evening. Isn't it nice? So joyful. Can you relate? I want joy. I set out for it. I intend for it. Something happens. I lose it. And then I have to sort of pretend and will it into existence and it's not there. And you know, joy is difficult additionally because some people seem to have perma joy. I don't know how they do it. They wake up with a smile before they even had caffeine. How is that possible? And a negative comment comes their way and they just sort of bat it back and like, oh, bless your heart. And walk back to joy. When a negative comment comes my way, I I try very hard to not sort of fire back or let it tear up inside of me. This is not natural. It is difficult. People are born with different temperaments. People are born into different families that may have never experienced joy in your family. People have faced different circumstances that seem as if they've sucked the joy out of life. And so we're left with some very important questions today that we're going to wrestle with. Are you stuck with low levels of joy if you're born into a certain family or with a certain type of temperament? Can you actually grow your joy? Or do you get what you get and that's it? Do the circumstances of life determine the joy ceiling that you get to experience from here on out? Or if there's been a tragedy that has struck, is can joy leak beyond repair? Can it be stolen from you? Can we get it back? That's what we want to tackle today. And I want to, right at the beginning, just make a declaration together out loud. So humor me with this. Full voice. On the count of three, I'm going to give you something to say. So turn to the person on your right or your left. Pick someone. Pick someone. Don't feel bad if you weren't the first pick. And you're going to, on the count of three, say, more joy, please. Really loudly with me. Ready? One, two, three. More joy, please. That felt good. You sound good. More joy, please. Because scripture has promised it. So we're going to find out how do we get more daily joy. But to do this, we have to unravel a subversive myth about joy. See, many people think that Christian joy, especially, is automatic. Say, yes, Jesus, come into my life, and, you know, heavenly lightning bolt comes, and joy, full joy, all right there in your life. This is so discouraging to me because of what I just described. I, I am a follower of Jesus. I read scripture daily. I have the Holy Spirit. I worship all these things, and I still struggle with joy. So, God, what are you messing up with? Or is it me? I don't know. Some joy is automatic. When we say yes to Jesus, we enter an entire new ecosystem with his power and his potential and his presence right there at our fingertips. But all joy is not automatic. And we can think of it as a fruit of the spirit because that's what scripture calls joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith. These are all fruit of the spirit. So when you go into Albertsons and you see the fruit stacked beautifully, we don't always think of the Enormous, intensive cultivation processes that went to bring that fruit to bear in the market and uh, after harvest. You know, for all we know, for maybe all of our little kids know, there's some sort of magic fruit potion and poof, you know, fruit in the store. But you know, there are, is a combination of supernatural and natural processes at play. There's the miracle of life. There's photosynthesis. There's, there's nutrients in the soil. There's water falling from the skies. And there is a farmer working very, very hard to cultivate and till and prepare that fruit to be ready for harvest. And this is a kingdom principle when it comes to fruit of the Spirit. God plants seeds. He never plants fully ready to harvest orchards. Jesus talks about this. The kingdom is like a seed. He says it over and over again. God plants seeds and then he invites you to me to cultivate the kingdom fruit along with him. This is so encouraging when it comes to joy. Because it means that you and I aren't stuck. It means there's a cultivation process that we can enter into to actually grow our joy, to harvest more joy for our life for 2019. God's not messing up and we can grow at cultivating joy. Now we'll stay stuck if we think that joy is just going to be a heavenly Amazon Prime delivery right at the doorstep of our life. Like we're going to be waiting for a little while. But if we start cultivating joy daily as if we were tending a garden, we'll begin experiencing more daily joy. So, Joy ultimately is growing at enjoying the Lord. But I want to give you three practical ways that we can cultivate daily joy so we get more joy, please. We'll build these three ways into our lives. If you're taking notes, here's number one. Protect joy. Protect joy. Proverbs four twenty three says, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the source of life. Guard your heart, for from it flows the source of life. Another version, carefully guard your thoughts because they're the source of true life. If we want healthy fruit, we got to keep the bad stuff out of the garden because there are pests designed to devour your daily joy and mine every single day of the week. Now, I heard of a woman who recently went camping and she was tent camping. Anyone like tent camping in here? I love it. Yeah, but there are sometimes some nervous moments when you're tent camping, like when you're sleeping in the middle of the night With a thin layer of nylon between you and the wild, wild world out there. And you hear sniffing outside your tent. And you don't know. Is it a bear? Is it a squirrel? Like, what is that? I live in Denver, uh, Colorado. We have mountain lion. That is a very significant thing. So this wise woman, instead of sticking her head out of the tent, stuck her mobile phone out of the tent. She snapped a picture. And we have the picture of what she saw. Oh, my goodness. Night of the living dead, rabid raccoons out to get you. That is way worse than any bear you can ever encounter. They will tear you to pieces. Okay, let this become a fixed snapshot in your mind. Now, yeah, quickly take it down. We don't want to scare anyone away from camping. It's good for the soul. This is an image that you and I face on a daily basis. We are under the onslaught of joy-destructing infestations because never before in the history of the world has humankind had to be uh, squashed under the weight of joy-sucking news feeds and cultural messaging and entertainment media and the constant joy-draining jibber-jabber at our fingertips. We've never wrestled with this as a human race ever before phones, computers, remotes to our TVs, all of this. Now, I know I'm about to sound completely old-fashioned. It's not because of dogmatism or religion. It's because I want joy. God wants his joy for me. If we're going to grow in joy, we have to learn how to protect our heart and our mind from the things that suck and devour our daily joy. Now, I have struggled with a terrible habit. It is leaving this little thing plugged in next to my bed at night. And so I want to I want to go to sleep with the rest and the joy of the Lord and I lie down I'm like oh I wonder what's happening on Twitter. Oh yeah. Oh gosh, I've got to improve. I better get better. That person's got this amazing life and uh, all of a sudden jealousy's in there and frustration right. I jump on the news and that's really soul filling these days, right? And then I try and fall asleep and wonder why, why am I so stressed? And then I wake up in the morning and my alarm goes off on my phone and I pick it up. And then all of a sudden, within 20 seconds, I'm reading like mud-slinging messaging from some person or twisting of the truth from that source or this source. And I get triggered and, I, and I, before I'm even brushing the teeth, I'm wondering, why is it so difficult to experience the joy and the strength of the Lord today? It's like waking up and instead of the joy-producing nutrients of heaven that are available to me at every moment, I inject a soft dose of joy-killing poison into the soil of my soul and wonder why isn't the good stuff growing? We have a choice of what we allow to let flow in. We're cultivating this kingdom value of joy. Now, I don't think we should avoid the news or social media or stick our head in the sand, all that stuff. It's just that we want more than what that is offering us. And so we have to learn how to set boundaries about what we take in, when we take it in, how much we take it in. We're cultivating the work of God's kingdom in our hearts. So if we're drinking in depressing news and soaking up seeding scandals and we're just listening to fear mongers all day long, We are feeding on the foolishness of this world. We will not know the daily joy that the Lord has for us. It's like we're cultivating curmudgeon instead of generating joy. That is not what I want in 2018, more curmudgeon. Now, just taking it one step further, I used to watch whatever movie or TV series or, you know, binge watch whatever. I just want to be entertained, escape, whatever friends were talking about. And then I started realizing what all of this was doing to the soil of my soul again. If I watch something with unashamed violence or unchecked promiscuity, I would wake up the next morning with all these images in my head. And I'm just thinking, no, this is, this is not who I want. This is dragging me down from the person I'm longing to be. And we, we need a filter of what we watch, what we read, who we listen to, all the media we take in. We just need a filter that says, will this cause me to be the person that I want to be, that God wants me to be? Will this grow, cultivate joy in my life? And I'm not trying to set up some legalistic system here. It's just we have to at some point, if we're going to protect the growth, what God is doing in our life, we have to say enough. No more joy-sucking news or social media feed binges. No more unchecked viewing of violence. No more drip-feeding destructive sexual images into our brains. No more all access to stories and entertainment and political voices that tear apart others and do damage to our own heart at the same time. We're going to protect what God has planted inside of us. It's just too valuable and we want it to grow. And side note, we don't have to be self-righteous about it either. We don't have to put it on other people. We just say, this is what I need for the sake of my soul. I need to do this for me. And it's all driven by Psalm chapter one, which says, blessed is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night. Listen to this. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield fruit and season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. I want that. I want to be rooted by nourishing, soul-filling, joy-producing content from the Lord above. And so I set a resolution for 2019. It's very simple, actually. I don't bring this into my bedroom. I don't plug it in at night. I leave it out. And so I go to bed and I bring this instead. I study, I read, I pray, worship. It doesn't even have to be very long. Wake up, do the same first. Lord gets my first thought, my first prayer of the day. It's like cultivating joy. That no one else will protect our joy for us. It's no one else's job to guard our hearts. Do you know it's not even God's job? The command of the Scripture is guard your heart. For from it, from it flow the source of of life. If we want to grow in joy, we have to cultivate it daily by protecting it. That's number one. Number two, I'm going to illustrate the second forgotten way that we can cultivate daily joy. Last year, my wife, Sarah, and I bought a fixer-upper home. It was just down the street. It was a great deal. I was very excited about it until I realized you have to fix up a fixer-upper. And I'm not Chip Gaines. I'm not even close to Chip Gaines. I try, though, and every time I start a project, it ends up costing three times more than had I just hired someone. So thankfully, I listened to my wife. We hired someone for some projects. I still had to be very involved. I was stressed out. I took time off work, and you know when there's seven different unfinished things around the house, it's just stressful. It's chaos. I felt that times ten, and I hired this great friend. He's a good contractor. He's a Christian guy. He also got overloaded on work projects and brought in sort of a secondary guy. I'm going to call him Jim. He was not even really a handyman. He was just sort of help, help, labor. Jim's a great guy. I really like him. He didn't know what he was doing. And he's really slow. And I was paying by the hour and he liked to talk a lot. And so I'm stressed. I'm task focused. I'm not at my best here. And Jim is scraping wallpaper slowly. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, Jim, you've got to hurry this up, please. Are you going to finish this? And then Jim takes a break and he wants to talk. And he says, hey, Craig, tell me about yourself. You know, how you doing? Like, where'd you grow up? And I said, oh, Jim. Yeah. um, Can we just jump in back? Because we've got these baseboards to do. Do you mind if we just... Just, you know, cut this conversation a little short and get over these baseboards. And he said, oh, sure, great. So he's painting the baseboards slowly. And he takes another break. I understand. It's tiring work. And he just says, oh, hey, Craig, um, I noticed in your kitchen there's a Bible on your countertop. Like, do you read that? Is that yours? That's, that's pretty interesting. I've never seen a Bible in someone's home before. And I said, oh yeah, it's great. I've read it, Jim. How are those baseboards doing? You think we're going to be able to finish that this afternoon? Uh Uh-huh. He's now working on a stair rail and he takes a break and he comes back and he said, Craig, I never heard, what do you do for work? And I said, oh Jim, that's great. You know, I've been a pastor and I work now in this ministry. We help people discover faith, have questions about God and all that. But are you able to finish that stair rail? Like, do you need me to run to Home Depot or get anything done? I am not joy-filled. I am task-focused. I am not seeing anything of what is going on here. And finally, the Lord just takes a divine rubber mallet from heaven and hits me on the head with it. And he's like, Craig, look, he's in your home, actually. I sent him in your home. I said, oh. And I didn't say anything. And then Jim says, Craig, it's really interesting because I've been wondering, is God real? And then here I am in your home. And I've been wondering, does does God forgive? And I said, oh, Jim, let's sit down. Forget the work for a bit. Let's sit down. He said, tell me what's going on. And he said, Craig, I've been really good at doing drugs. I mean, I'm really good at it. Soft drugs, hard drugs, harder drugs, you name it. And the high started not feeling as high. So I shifted. My favorite high was introducing other people for their very first time shooting up a heroin. That's what I did for years. And about a year ago, one of my extended family members who I introduced to this OD'd and died. And he started crying and he just said, that's on me. I brought evil, destructive evil into every one of these people's lives. And now when I close my eyes at night, I I feel like I just see this black tar pit of darkness I can hardly sleep. I feel like I'm going to vomit under the weight of guilt that I walk around with every single day. I don't know if I can make it. So is God real? Does he forgive? And I said, oh, Jim. Well, what you did was terrible. And there's nothing that can fix it. You know that said, and yes, God is so real. And he loves bringing his sons and daughters back home. And Jesus died on the cross to pay your penalty, to repair what you never could, to forgive you for what you never could make peace with the Father in heaven about. And he invites you to be his. And, and as he resurrected, you can have new life in him. Do you want to trust in Jesus right now, Jim? And he's like, yes, I need that. For, I need this. Yes. And he said, yes to Jesus. And I said, when Jesus enters our life, we're filled with this Holy Spirit. It seals the work of God for eternity in our hearts and our lives. Brings his presence. So let's try this prayer, Jim. Just say after me, come Holy Spirit. And so he says, come Holy Spirit. And he sat there quietly and started crying. He just could see some of the tears falling to the ground. And I said, Jim, what's going on? What's happening? And he said, Craig, the darkness. I literally saw the darkness leave from my mind and light starts shining through. Now I close my eyes, I see light and I feel the love of God. This is real, Craig. This is real. God is showing up for me. And my friend who was a contractor took Jim to his church. He got plugged into a Bible study. He's going to a recovery group there. It has stuck. Jim's life was changed. Do you know who else was changed from that moment? I was. This dang fixer upper project that was sucking the joy life uh, life right out of me and my task focus and my missing the divine appointments from the Lord. That's gone now. I just had joy. I was like, yeah, this God is using this broken home to bring people to him. God's using my mistakes and my misses to bring people to him. I realized when I say yes to a divine appointment, I get divine joy. It rebounds right back to me. I remembered a moment where the disciples came to Jesus and they said, aren't you going to eat? Like, aren't you hungry? Don't you need some nourishment? And he said, oh, I have food that you know nothing of. My food is to do his will and finish his work. It's like, I, I find nourishment elsewhere. And there's a verse in a book that we often overlook in our new testaments. Philemon one six. Listen to this. This is really insightful. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Do you catch that? I pray you may be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Not the person we're sharing with, so that you, the sharer. Another translation says, so that your joy may be complete. When we step into sharing that divine appointment from the Lord, we get to share divine joy and it comes right back to us. We get to experience an increased level of divine joy. I've paid attention to this for years in my life. There's a direct correlation. Am I saying no or just too caught up in building my own kingdom, not his, that I'm stuck in maybe a Christian bubble and I'm not Active in divine appointments, where God wants to use me to, to invite someone maybe to church or to Alpha or to share my testimony about Him. I actually experience depression. And then when I'm active in experiencing divine appointments, saying, Yes to the Lord, my joy meter instantly goes up. I realize I was made for this. You were made for this. God wants us out on the edge, building relationships for his kingdom. This is the second way that we cultivate joy. Number one is we protect joy. Number two is we share joy. When we share joy, we get more joy. Studies show that half of Christians in America, half of Christians in America have two or less spiritual conversations per year. That's kind of heartbreaking if you think about it. Think of all the missed divine appointments that you and I miss. that are missed in this country. Think of all the missed divine joy just waiting there to be experienced. Now, I realize evangelism is daunting, and you know some of us think, I'm not an expert, I'm not an ex- extrovert, I can't answer questions like that person, I wouldn't know what to say, and how do you possibly go from hanging out with a neighbor or friend or coworker, drinking a glass of wine maybe, talking about the Seahawks, which I'm from Denver, so I wouldn't do that, but don't hold it against me, please, and then all of a sudden, the conversation shifts to the deep expository meaning of the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. Like, do you want in? Uh, I don't know what you're saying. That's a lot of pressure. It doesn't have to be like that. That's the beauty, actually, of Alpha, which is launching, as you heard, this Wednesday night. All you have to do is invite a friend and say, hey, we're throwing a great dinner. It's going to be great food. And we watch sort of a documentary, TED Talk. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's short. And then there's a group time, and you get to share whatever you think, your point of view. No one's going to question you. No one's going to judge you. It's your space. There's not a lot of places in life where someone gets to discuss the meaning of life in a container like that. So now, inviting someone to get to know Jesus could be as simple as inviting of a, a friend to dinner. It's great. And then they maybe get more joy and you get maybe more joy. It's like Oprah, you know, joy for you, joy for you, joy all the way around. There's a woman in my church who went shopping every single, very mundane, sort of like, how do you grow joy when you're taking care of kids and you're going shopping every week and you come home and you're like the mom taxi and how does this work? And she started walking through the same checkout line at Target got to know the the cashier, built a friendship. And she started sensing God's prompting saying, hey, I want you to invite that cashier to Alpha at our church. And so she took a risk, she shared and she invited and the cashier came. Now Alpha is a 10 week course. And so for the first three or four weeks, this cashier showed up, but she didn't say a single word. And everyone's wondering like, is she mad at us? Is she okay? But she kept coming. There's an Alpha day or Alpha weekend away. And we introduced prayer and an experience of the presence of God for for folks. And this cashier opened up in prayer, trusted in Jesus. And she turned to a group afterwards and she said, I've never felt belonging like I have in this circle with you in my life ever before. I want more of what is going on here. And then she said, and you're telling me that the Father in heaven who created me is accepting me? I'm in. I trust Jesus. It was like, she experienced so much joy. And think about my friend who got to invite her. She turned mundane trips to Target into a divine appointment, experienced divine joy because of it. I have another friend who owns a hardware store. His name's Todd. There was a homeless man who was hanging out every single day outside of his hardware store. It could have been just a nuisance except Todd allowed it to become a divine appointment. He wanted to share joy. He invited this person who was homeless to our alpha program. He came every single week, 10 weeks. Sometimes Todd had to drive him. Sometimes Todd paid for an Uber for him to get there. Not a lot of skin off his back. And that person who's homeless trusted in Jesus is now again in a, in sort of a life recovery program at our church, growing in faith and into sort of a a healthier life. And I think, man, Todd turned that, Todd allowed God to turn that moment into divine joy for him. Finally, there's a younger lady, 17, Darcy, at our church who was invited to Alpha by a friend at school, just high school friend who wanted to share joy. Darcy came, she trusted in Jesus again when she was praying to trust in jesus she she was born eighty five percent deaf in her left ear. She felt popping in her left ear, she was praying to trust in Jesus. her ear opened up, and she can hear now. I don't know what that does to you. that is what happened. It was like she's got joy now right now. Darcy was so powerfully moved she it took a gap year after high school. She's in Mexico at one of our partner churches. She is starting a youth alpha for that church in Mexico. She's one year into God's family and she's doing this. It's incredible. I just think all the joy that that friend who got to share joy inviting from high school, Todd, my hardware store owning buddy and that woman who went to target every single week, all of that divine joy, but from saying yes to these divine appointments. We get to protect joy, we can share joy, and finally, one way we can cultivate joy is by choosing joy. Now, sometimes I've noticed I treat joy like the weather. I wake up in the morning and sort of like a thermometer, I wonder, oh, what weather system, what temperatures are it going to be today? What, what storm clouds might Blow in, or gray weather day, or or what's, Am I going to have sunny skies today? Now, similar to the weather, um, I can't control joy. I would think, like I can't control are the clouds going to blow in. Is, is it going to be sunny today? This could not be further from the truth. It is a lie to think that joy is like the weather. This is especially relevant for those of you who've been hit with a massive storm. You know where tragedy has swept in, and. and Some of you I know have, and I can't even comprehend your pain, but it's very real. I understand that. I have friends who've buried children in this past 18 months and other friends who've lost spouses to death or divorce and people lost jobs or health. I mean, you know, these massive storms are real. And so back to that question, can joy be stolen? Can it be leaked beyond repair? Can circumstances take it away? Or or is it just sort of that general gray weather sense of depression, does that mean that we have little or no joy? Well, listen to how Jesus treated this topic with his disciples. John 15. He says, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And he goes on, no one will take away your joy. These are the words of our savior. God's desire is for you and me, is that joy is ours no matter what comes our way, no matter what seems to blow in. And we can let this sink into our souls because of Romans 8.11. It says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Did you hear that? The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Resurrection power right inside. It's also storm-calming power. Jesus calmed the storms. Jesus changed the weather. Now, because we're filled with the Spirit of God, we are not supposed to be thermometers who wake up wondering what's the temperature out there. We just read reality and then we react to it. We're supposed to be thermostats. When we get in the room with the Spirit of God in our hearts and our minds, we change the environment We have the God, we have God's power and presence, and we have His joy available to us. Now, I've had to turn this into a personal battle cry. Uh, It sounds ridiculous every single day. I might have to say 30 times a day, choose joy, choose joy, choose joy. I might wake up in the morning, And I spill the coffee beans on the ground before I can grind them. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Nope. Choose joy. The boss might say something harsh to you at work. And you just think, I'm going to. Nope. Choose joy. You might have the weight of a crushing storm in life and want to let the lies sink in. You just think, no, choose joy. I'm not going to let the lies batter down my self-worth. Choose joy. Maybe someone comes and cuts you off in traffic. Choose retaliation. Get them back. Don't let that happen. That's not true. Choose joy. It's not about putting on a plastic face and pretending, it's about claiming and speaking the truth of the promises of God. Choosing joy is reminding our own souls that God wins. No matter what you're facing, God wins. No matter if it seems like you're failing, God wins. If it seems like everything's falling apart, God wins. No matter how you are struggling during a day, God wins. Can I get an out loud amen from that? God wins. So let me ask you to stand up now as we get ready to close in prayer and worship. If we want more daily joy, we join the Lord in cultivating joy daily. We can do this by protecting joy, by sharing joy, by choosing joy. And I want to ask you, as we sing this final worship song, to do some work in prayer. I know you didn't come to church today to stay the same. It's so much easier to just stay home and do that. Like we come because we want to meet with the Lord. We want him to change us. And so what's the work that he's inviting you? to do with him right now. Maybe it's around sharing joy. And I ask the Lord right now, God, bring to our minds, faces and names of people we can share joy with. And I ask that you give every one of us boldness to invite those people to Alpha this coming Wednesday. Why not? Share joy. Some of you, the words around protect joy may have landed for you. And you think, there are 23 rabid raccoons in my life trying to devour this joy. (laughs) i got to get them out of here. The Lord would pray right now, and as we worship you, make clear what some limits, some boundaries, some new habits, some things to let go of could be for you. And do that work with them. Finally, there are those of you, for whatever reason, a lie has set in that says, you know what? joy is not yours anymore. You can't get it back. It's such a lie from the pit of hell. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I just say, lie be gone because joy is yours. With the Lord, everything can be made. No matter the storm that has rolled in. If it feels like the gray has set in too deep, it's nothing that the light and the love of Jesus can't illuminate. So we break that lie in the name of Jesus. And finally, I think there are some here who might be feeling, I don't even have the infrastructure for that type of joy. I need a total restart. Like Jim, my handyman buddy. I need a new operating system through trusting in Jesus for the very first time or returning back to Jesus because that's where true joy is found in the Lord. And so as we worship, do some of this work prayerfully personally by ourselves but I think right afterwards there will be some prayer team up front if you want to do any more business with God if you're like uh, I'm not done yet God's not done yet with me come on forward so the team can pray with you let's worship together right now